Welcome to the Guelph Politicast. I'm Adam A. Donaldson of Guelph Politico. Today I talk to Graham McNaughton, who you may know as a valued colleague in the local media sphere. He's a reporter at the Guelph Mercury Tribune, and it makes sense to take some time out now to talk about the media picture, both here in Guelph and across Canada. The federal government reached a deal recently with Alphabet, the parent company of Google, to help fund the Online News Act. And even though Meta is still refusing to play ball, there's some hope that they might still come around. There are also a lot of people in the news business who are going to be laid off at the end of this month, including McNaughton's colleague, Joyce Struthers. That will make Graham McNaughton the last person on staff at the Guelph Mercury Tribune, and it's anyone's guess about what might come next. So, with all that in mind, the media is the topic of this 400th edition of the Guelph Politicast. It's fitting that this topic has come up for the 400th episode of this show. When the Daily Guelph Mercury closed down in January 2016, I was in the process of turning Guelph Politico from a personal expression of Guelph political stuff into something a little more formal, something that looked more like a real journalistic publication, if you will. That process started before Metroland announced the end of the Mercury, but the last issue of the old Merc on January 29th, 2016, had to look it up, it certainly weighed on many people in the community. What would happen to daily news coverage in this city? What would happen to the Mercury's vast community and institutional knowledge? The paper was started the same year that Canada became its own country, but unlike the country, the Guelph Mercury did not live to see its sesquicentennial. Some of those issues were resolved when Metroland tagged the weekly Guelph Tribune newspaper with the Mercury branding. The web history of the two publications were combined, and even though it wasn't the same as a daily paper, the small cadre of Tribune tributes, so to speak, persevered for a time. In the nearly eight years since the Mercury shut its doors, the Mercury Tribune has gotten smaller and smaller, and now it's down to one person. In September, Metroland announced that in an effort to stave off bankruptcy, they were cutting print editions of those weekly papers, plus but 60% of their workforce. It was a sense of deja vu for local activists and another reminder of just how precarious the state of Canadian journalism is. And in Guelph, it's getting even more precarious, but how? In the wake of their September announcement, Metroland left a lot of unanswered questions. And you might be surprised to learn that some dedicated Metroland reporters, well, they still have their questions, too. And that brings us to Graham McNaughton, who on this week's edition of the Guelph Politicast will help us parse some of those questions. We will talk about how it's going these days on the job, what the current editorial structure looks like, and whether or not he's privy to the corporate strategy of Metroland as it's trying to restructure. We will also talk about his plans for being the last man on the Mercury, how much of a say that he will have about what he gets to cover or what he doesn't get to cover, and what his own short to long-term goals are going forward. And finally, we will talk about the community reaction, the general state of the journalism business these days, and whether or not Graham has any regrets. So I caught up with Graham McNaughton a couple of weeks ago via Zoom. 
Okay, Graham McNaughton, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Um, how's it going? How are you feeling? Um, it's a bit of a countdown till the end of the year, and then it's going to be a. Uh, well, I think I'm going to have to come to you for tips on how to run a uh, a one person uh, news operation. Uh, I hesitate to give tips because I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm doing it right. <laughs> um i mean yeah that's kind of the thing is that i i feel like um one of the reasons i wanted to do this uh because you know metro i wasn't even 100 sure metroland made the announcement that they're cutting all the these community newspapers and cutting like it felt like it came from like a tip from somewhere and then ever and then metroland sort of reported it so it feels like like a lot of this has been happening in a void where we're not being like explicitly told what to expect who's being cut what's going to be left over and how but but how does that feel like from the inside like how how did they break the news to you so um it was september 15th i can remember exactly what day (laughs) because it was my fifth wedding anniversary (laughs) that's right so i was at the uh courthouse downtown um I can't even remember exactly what it was, but then my uh, work e- my uh, work phone just started pinging, and it's like, okay, all right, something's happening, <laughs> and that's when I got. It was like very close together. I got someone had forwarded me because the Globe and Mail had put an article out talking about these layoffs, mm-hmm. followed by a uh, an invitation for a meeting in like fifteen minutes of like important changes coming to the company. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't able to get out in time to hear the meeting. Apparently there was a lot of people that had trouble tuning into that meeting. So there was a lot of confusion that day as to what exactly is happening. But then the details start trickling in from, you know, other people in the, in the company. And we finally got, uh, some community, like a more written communication from Toronto as to what was going on. And the end result was like, yeah, like two thirds of Metroland laid off a lot. Some people immediately journalists uh, because of uh, union stuff uh, were on until the end of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and then come January 1st, it's going to be a much, much slimmer operation than what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's you and Joyce Struthers, right? Yes. Who do you report to? Uh, we currently report to the editors over at the uh, Waterloo Region Record. Um, mm-hmm. So about a month, month and a half uh, before the the layoff news came out, um, there was a reorganization of divisions within the company. And we were, so Fairway, which is, uh, well, the Mercury Tribune, Waterloo Chronicle, and Cambridge Times, and New Hamburg Independent. Uh, now, all of us report to the record. Mm-hmm. So we've been tied in, um, which geographically, I suppose, would make sense if you're uh, wanting to have fewer divisions and, but, you know, keep those geographical things in mind. Um, so, yeah, I report to the record folks now. So essentially, those people are managing five papers, including their daily. Um, well, uh, that's assuming. Well, 
saying papers, I think may be a bit inaccurate because uh, that was right. And with the layoffs is the end of our uh, print product. Yeah. Um, it's still in a bit of a flux right now because we still have two of our uh, editors, mm. um, two of the fairway editors, uh, Ned and Lorraine, um, who are all, were also impacted by these layoffs. So they're going to be here until the end of the year. And then they're going to be gone come January. Um where things go in January, I imagine I'll be reporting to, uh, like, it'll be the record folks will be the ones looking after it directly. But to be honest, I don't know. Um, there do, hasn't... They, do they know? <laughs> like, does anyone I know? Am... <laughs> That's a good question. I am, uh, it's like, we haven't had those conversations yet, uh, in, in all fairness. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point right now, it's almost like, all right, let's just keep doing what we're doing. Mm. Um, you know, get through the day and uh, get through the week, get through the month. Um, but I think there's going to be some conversations in the weeks ahead about like, okay, how is this? How is this all going to work come January first? Mm-hmm. I, I mean that that I mean that's not great for you guys, obviously, for people who work for all these outlets, or, or at least the ones who will still work for them in January. But I mean that's also not great for the community because if I'm like joke you public and i have like a letter to the editor or i have a press release or i'm a whistleblower and i want to tell somebody uh my story um i mean do do those people know who to refer to now in order to like get the word out at at least at any sort of metroland outlet um well i can only speak for ours in general because i'm not sure how things work at the uh the other divisions but like we do still have all the relevant contact info on our website that hasn't changed um aside from you know the individual reporter and editor emails we do have like a general catch-all email that will that we can all access so you know that avenue is still open um and i imagine it would still be open come january mm-hmm. are the metroland bosses sort of looking at you um and again, you know, speaking for yourself, but I mean, others in your position, like in terms of how you see this going. I mean, you we kind of joked at the beginning about uh, you needing tips for, for being a one man band. Um, but, you, you know, you're still part of a, a bigger media apparatus and, you know, have and this may be a question already been answered, but have they looked to you to sort of help guide them in terms of how you should be doing your job once you're kind of on your own? Uh, I, that's going to be part of the conversations that we need to have. Um, yeah, at this point, really a lot of it has just been adjusting to this reorganization of divisions. And then I guess right now we're just sort of like, as I said, you know, get through the day, get through the week, get through the month. Well, how's it going right now with, in terms of like story assignments, um, are you getting guidance about what to cover or are you enjoy sort of making those decisions? Um, in terms of where you want to put your emphasis um we'll get like ideas for stories like sometimes the editor like just as it has been in the past um you know editors will suggest like hey you know maybe look into this and you know like i have a feature that i'm working on right now that was um i had sort of like i had the genesis of the idea but then the record editors like we you know flushed out the idea and um like i think it's going to be a good feature when it comes out like it isn't like i'm 
it's not like it's a case of like you know editor saying you must write this and write it this way like that mm-hmm. hasn't been uh nothing like that has happened mm-hmm. and i don't foresee that happening i imagine um just with it being these uh you know one person newsrooms that that independence will stay mm. um especially because i'm the well with the exception of uh, a couple of folks that work for the record i'm the only one who lives in guelph who and like mm. reports on guelph and keeps an eye on stuff that's happening in guelph mm-hmm. and you know there is still this sort of relationship with the broader tour star universe you know you see things from other Metroland outlets or the Toronto star being shared on the Mercury Tribune site. Is that a concern? I mean, there are a couple of concerns I can see. Number one is that, you know, the local product is going to have this kind of more generic feel because we're just throwing stuff up from other sites and sharing things. So it looks like we're producing content. Um, But the other hand is we're kind of diluting the Guelph, the Guelphiness uh, of it as well. And it it just sort of, you know, it, it kind of feels self-perpetuating because all of these outlets are going to have sort of like a similar feel. And if you're producing the same product across numerous outlets, what's to say in the future that, well, we're not we're not going to have a Cambridge outlet, a Guelph outlet, a Kitchener outlet, a New Hamburg outlet. It's going to be like a southwestern Ontario region outlet. And then it shrinks even further. Yeah, no, that's, uh, no, it's definitely a concern on my end too. Um, you know, like I'm going to be a one man newsroom and like, yes, I, you know, like I want to be telling, continue telling those Guelph stories, but at the end of the day, I'm just one guy. (laughs) Um, I can only tell so many stories. I can only do so much. Um, and, and at the same time, as much as I want to tell the, you know, the best stories I can. I have to look out for my own health as well. Like I can't be mm. working 16 hour days, mm-hmm. uh, which is unfortunate when it's like, you're having to, it's a bit of a devil's bargain trying to figure out like, you know, like there's all these stories that need to be told, mm-hmm. but I only have so much time in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, yeah, as far as like any sort of regional consolidation, that's, uh, it's definitely crossed my mind. And, uh, I think that would be a huge mistake to do that, but I'm not getting paid the big bucks to make those kind of decisions. <laughs> because I mean, the call could come, right? Like not necessarily just to consolidate, but if there's like something major going on in Waterloo, they could say like, Hey Graham, drop whatever it is you're doing and head over to X place because we can't send our reporters to Kitchener or Cambridge to cover whatever that is. And, you know, it it feels, you know, it's hard enough these days because it feels like most major media outlets, nobody has a beat anymore. Um, And, you know, it's it's a possibility. You there could be times you end up getting thrown into situations for which you have no reference. They just need a body. They need to put a body on it. And it could be you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's uh, definitely crossed my mind about like, like some of the stories that may come across my desk uh, come January, like there is some stories that joy is much more, is yeah. much, much better than I could ever be yeah. at covering. <laughs> um, And I feel like I wouldn't be doing some of those stories justice, no matter how hard I try. And mm. 
that's one thing that kind of that you know it kind of hurts yeah like there's stories to be told but they're not going to be told right and not through any malicious intent it's just yeah not the right person to tell that story yeah it's just cut just kind of becomes grist for the mill this is getting depressing but (laughs) i I do want to look at it from the community perspective too uh before the print edition of the mercury tribune was cut whenever i saw somebody mention it on social media it was always in the um from the perspective of i can't believe they dumped this at the end of my driveway it gets soaked it's full of flyers i don't use I just throw it out. Why do they do this to me? How can I cancel it? <laughs> and then that sort of changed on a dime when they announced, like, we're not going to print it anymore. And everyone's like, oh, really? You're not going to print it anymore? I mean, how much of this is sort of, you know, do you feel it sort of on the part of the community not knowing, you know, not appreciating what was there until it wasn't there anymore? Well, it's, you know, it's sort of an idiom at this point that you don't uh, realize what you have till it's gone. Mm. Um you know, there was similar conversations had when the Daily Mercury shut down mm. about you know about a decade ago now. Yeah, oh, I can't remember what year that was. Shows how long ago it was. Um, Twenty sixteen. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> you know where you know subscribe subscription numbers were way way down, mm. and it ended, and pe- and a lot of people were just like, "Wait, wh- why is it gone? Like we loved it. It's like, well, yeah, like these things aren't free." And yeah. that's the and that's the unfortunate thing with our pro, with uh, the print the print version of the Tribune is like sure you could contribute money if you so chose but you yeah pay for it yeah I mean that was always you know a business factor and you know I certainly talked to people who are like well I would pay you know to get the print copy but I live in an apartment or I live in a townhouse complex or someplace that you know you can't drop a paper on the stoop because you can't throw it from your car window as you drive by <laughs> which yeah, you know and and that was one of the things that like i think and that isn't just like a solely guelph thing it's sure. like one of the things that big newspaper companies had a hard time adapting to was the change to the internet yeah also seemed to have a hard time adapting to there's these things that exist called apartment buildings <laughs> and you can't just like dump them you know right on the stoop uh there like there had to be a way to you know to better circulate those uh papers for people that wanted them yeah um yeah it would just seem to be something that no one was ever able to figure out that yeah almost literally death by a thousand cuts the flip side of this too is and i don't know if you've noticed this but because i subscribe to um like alerts and and newsletters from from the mercury tribune I've been seeing a lot more promotion, not just like the drop of the newsletter in the box, like at four o'clock in the morning, which uh, that's maybe not the right great time to get that in for people to eagerly open it up. But uh, that's neither here nor there. But I I have been seeing like sort of more promotion. It's like, oh, you miss your newspaper. We still have all these great websites. And I I literally got before we record, I literally got one this morning. I was like, we're bringing back the this week uh, in your community feature. So I mean, there's a presentation on the corporate end that's like, everything's great. Everything, you know, we're we're doing a bunch of awesome stuff again. And I wonder just like sort of what impact that has on sort of your um I, I guess your your sort of psychic 
commitment to the job that you know you're under additional stress but there's this smiley and and the community knows it too because the community knows they're not getting the paper anymore but you know the the, the corporation is putting on this smiley happy like everything's awesome thing which you know the, those two realities can't exist at once no and but at the same time it's like what else is the company gonna do like sure like, i don't see the company going ah, everything's on fire everything's terrible <laughs> what are we gonna do um, it's uh you know that would be refreshing though yeah um <laughs> i'll be honest i haven't paid a lot of that stuff any mind um i know what you know we all know what the situation is you know, mm. the public knows what's going on. Or at least I hope they know what's going on with mm. everything. Um, but based on the conversations that I've had with people, a lot of people are very well aware of what's, you know, what's happening. So, well, I mean, that that is, that, I mean, who who is aware of what's going on? Like, there, you know, it, it there are people in our community for whom that was their paper. And a lot of them are on the older side. So a lot of them don't know to go to the, the Mercury Tribune website and sign up for a newsletter so they can get alerts and things. And, uh, you know, maybe they still have a flip phone. They don't have smartphones. It's it's really hard to to like proctor what the impact of this is for everybody. Yeah, and honestly, I think probably what it would, would have been a better idea is if you're going to cut print, don't cut it immediately. Have a lead out period. Yeah. Um. Although with the uh, the complicating factor of you know these uh, you know the uh, going into you know towards bankruptcy filings and whatnot i imagine that probably complicated things a bit more but if it were if it had been if i had to be the one who had made the decision to cut print i would have said you know have one more edition mm. and that should be your opportunity like look you know this print edition's going away but you can still find us here here and here famously the print edition was cut as the the food bank had ordered all the the paper bags to insert into the into the Thanksgiving uh, area edition of the paper too. So that was um, something that had unintended consequences too. I'm wondering what thoughts you've put into like how you'll do the job. I mean, are you anticipating that you probably won't have as much time to dedicate to council business? Like, I mean, you and I go to council all the time and we know that not all meetings are created equally, shall we say, in terms of like import. But, you know, is that a reality you're having to embrace is that you can't be the council guy because you have to be the all community guy? Yeah, it's uh, like, it's unfortunate that it's come to that. Um, You know, I've been covering, well, I've been covering, uh, local government since I started here back in 2017. And prior to that, my previous gig over at the now former Oshawa Express, another uh, publication that has gone uh, gone to the pages, pages of history, um, I was covering local government there too. It's uh, what I've been doing for pretty much my entire career as a journalist. Um, mm-hmm. You know, obvious, like I'm not like I, there's definitely still it's still going to be covered that's not going away the thing that's unfortunate is that i'm not going to probably not going to have as much time to dedicate to it as i do now because right. i'm going to have to cover all this other stuff um and that also means that the you know you're more in depth and potentially investigative stuff i'm not going to have yeah. like i'm just not going to have time for it yeah 
I mean, that's always, I mean, just from my experience, that's the stuff that dies first. It's just that, that feature kind of coverage because there's always another meeting. Um, there's always another agenda and it's, it's literally a weekly thing. And do you have concern about like, we kind of already addressed this, but I mean, are you preparing, like, I don't know if, if it will be incumbent on you to do sports, for example, but I mean, it is possible that, you know, the Guelph storm could make it to like the Memorial cup, at which point, you know, I imagine the, your boss is going to be like, "Hey, Guelph guy, your team's in the in the big national championship." You know, maybe write some stuff, and then now you're a hockey reporter. <laughs> yeah. Um, as much as I'd love the Guelph Storm to do well, there's a little part of me that's like, <laughs> "Come on, be bad, be bad." <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, it's um, yeah. Um, I guess the old idiom of. Uh, jack of all trades master of none mm. um i hope it doesn't come down to that <laughs> you know you hope it doesn't have to come down to you writing hockey yeah i can i can relate actually yeah. uh, as much as much as i love hockey i'm i'm not a sports reporter right I, i've tried it um you know like my previous gig in oshawa um because it was a two-person newsroom um and the other guy uh joel he covered uh oshawa generals including the one year when they did do that big run to the Memorial cup. Mm. But when he was away, I had to cover Jen's games and that coverage was awful because I'm not, I'm I'm not, I'm not good at it. Like maybe with more practice. Sure. But Mm. it's just not something I have experience with. And then on the flip side of having to hold down a newsroom while he was out covering the Memorial cup, Mm. that's a whole other, whole other issue. Mm Hmm. Do you think that, and I think this is sort of key in in the business in general, that, you know, the and maybe the vast majority of people don't want to know, like, how the sausage is made. But I feel that a lot, you know, when, when I see, like, somebody on the Guelph subreddit say, like, why don't you do X? Why doesn't anyone understand X or Y? It just feels like, they don't understand the pressures of the business. And, you know, you don't want to be like, you don't understand, man, or like, you know, be, be that kind of like, uh, I don't, I don't know what you would call that kind of person, but you, know, you don't want to be that guy. Um, but in terms of like the struggles, you know, we're and you and I, you know, we see each other at council or we see each other at events. So, but otherwise we're like on our own separate ships and sometimes we're going to the same place. Sometimes we're not. It just, there is a real silo now between media and and the community. And it's not an intentional thing. It's not we're putting up the silos, but just because, you know, I don't have a Guelph political office. You don't have a Guelph Mercury Tribune office. There is a Guelph Today office, but um, it, it just feels like we have a disconnect with the community that we're covering sometimes. No, yeah, I definitely I feel that. Um, but I, I know going back to your earlier point about how there's you know sometimes people complain about you don't under you know don't cover X or Y or don't yeah. understand A, B, or C. Um, sometimes yeah, there definitely is some truth to that, and you can take it as a learning experience. But mm. I think in other times there's a, like there's still a 
general misconception of what the, you know, what news media, how it actually functions. Because if your only exposure to news media is just what you see online and mm-hmm. what you see on TV, be it, you know, TV news or just how journalists are depicted in media, there isn't a TV show or movie depicting a <laughs> one journalist newsroom <gasps> who's running ragged trying to cover everything. Right. <laughs> there's like no the there's no Lincoln lawyer for a journalist someone who just no. is their office is their car <laughs> yeah like I think the closest would be I can't remember what the name of the movie is but it has uh, Russell Crowe and Ben Affleck where oh, Russell, State of Play yeah State of Play where Russell Crowe plays a journalist and like they show him working out of his car like his car's a mess and like just running you know just like running roughshod like trying to get everything done and I'm like okay this is realistic and then he's like, all right, well, got to go to the office. And it's this three story, everyone like packed, everyone's working. And it's like, OK, realism just went out the window. now. <laughs> yeah, he's I think it's not the Washington Post in that movie, but I think it's meant to be the Washington Post. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's a good depiction of a, a of what a work being working journalist looks like. But uh, Helen Mirren isn't in the corner office. <laughs> the, the the part of this too though is um and i see this at time I, a couple of the ways i'm looking at this you know there's stuff that people like hear like there's the rumor mill and people are like why isn't that news and so there, there's part of it too and then there's that online portion too and one of the things i'm thinking about is the the um one million march for children that's what the name of the protest was uh that one in september that huge one in front of city hall where there were you know people from the muslim community who were there um on the side of the one million marchers and i've been told by you know people who've sort of followed up with that community that they're getting their like they're getting their information from like random facebook pages which is of course a double problem because it's from Facebook, but there's also no Canadian news on Facebook. And it, it just, what it says to me, and I'm sure it says it to you is like, there is a serious gap in this community with certain audiences. Like we you and I can know names of people who like delegated counsel and are, you know, always writing letters and sending us emails. But there is a whole other part of this community that I struggle with all the time thinking about how do I reach them? And I feel like those are the people who are kind of getting lost in translation as we're trying to figure out how to stay alive. Yeah. Um, no, I, I couldn't have put it better myself. Um, it's, uh, and it isn't just, again, it's also just not a Guelph thing where mm-hmm. it's, uh, you, if I had the time, there would be so many communities that I'd want to do more outreach with. Yeah. Um, I tried doing some of that too. Um, I did a series of stories last year looking, was it last year or earlier this year? Um, time is a flat circle. It sure um, is. Where I was looking <laughs> at the uh, the fastest growing <gasps> religions in Guelph and, you know, mm. trying to reach out to the, you know, the Muslim community and the Hindu community. And there was from some people in that community, there was a sense of distrust about, well, why I, you've never reached out to us. Sure. Why do you want to talk to us? And like, 
they're absolutely right. Yeah. Um, you know, like it has to be on us to, you know, to do that outreach. And then at the same time, you're, you know, you have these small newsrooms and people are just, you know, like your single journalist is just running, trying to get everything filed, and you don't have that time to do that outreach. Yeah. Um, and another point that I think that can't be forgotten here is um the journalist pool in Guelph is pretty white. That's true. There <laughs> and male. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look at, you know, the city hall table of reporters, Mm -hmm. two out of three of the reporters are bald and have a beard. Like we even have like a uniform going on and like a dress code. Um, And I don't think that can be forgotten in this mix either that. You know, of what the journalists in this city look like Mm -hmm. and. As much as we may try to, you know bring those more diverse voices into a story and i try my damnedest i really do yeah but at the end of the day do you really want a white guy being the voice for a multicultural community yeah or the Um, only voice or the only voice rather yeah yeah um And that sort of leaves open the window for, as you mentioned, you know, like people getting their news from Facebook groups where, you know, or WhatsApp groups I've seen too, where, you know, you know, misinformation and uh, exaggerations and just gossip can run roughshod. Um, It leaves that window open, which is another one of the downsides of uh, Facebook's decision to remove all Canadian news content. Yeah, I thought for sure they might have given up, uh, but I mean, I don't think we live in an era of people giving up. <laughs> no, like I like as far as like the Facebook stuff. It'll be nice if it comes back, but I am I'm I'm basically I have it out of mind now where it's like it's not mm. back until mm. either cooler heads prevail or. We, there's a new government but even yeah. that is you know like what's it going to look like Are, is there actually going to be like just go back to where it was or what is it going to be something new like i don't know well i would also phrase that the likely next government of canada is not one that's going to be inclined to stand up for media at least um yeah. not traditional media no i based on some of the comments that uh, mr polyevra has made um especially around defunding the cbc mm. yeah although i have a funny story with uh, oh yes please <laughs> so <gasps> my early days my first job in journalism mm. i worked up in Yellowknife, um mm. and i wrote this was around the time that uh the later years of the harper government where they were trying to add in more conditions on the id that you could use to vote Right. And I wrote a, like I wrote a column because basically talking about how like in the north, like in Northwest Territories, mm. if you're looking at solely a driver's license or a health card, I believe it was the uh, the IDs that the photo IDs that they were talking about. If you go into some of the remote communities, like the flying communities in the north, where 
to get a driver's license, there's the one time a year that the license bureau will come fly in and do all the testing in one week, <laughs> or you have to somehow get yourself to Yellowknife right. to do the test. And basically I'm like, it's all these extra hurdles. And I wrote a column basically saying like, this doesn't work in the Northwest territories. Like this, like very specific, you know, like all these things like aren't going to work here. Um, or otherwise you're disenfranchising a lot of voters and based on the population of these flying communities, you're disenfranchising a lot of indigenous voters. Mm -hmm. Um, The next day after that column ran, I got an email from uh, Pierre Pauly Evers office with a response column. Yeah. I never contact, like it was a column. I basically just expressing my opinion. We hadn't sent the column to his office or (laughs) anything. Mm. And within 24 hours, I had an email from him with a response column, which in all fairness did not address a single point that I made. Interesting. It was, it was definitely boilerplate. I think it had probably been sent out to numerous ones, but mm. it's just sort of like you have an alert set up for whenever your name pops up somewhere and you had a column ready to go. <gasps> oh my God. That story has so many layers. Um. <laughs> oh, I needed that laugh. Um, now to get back to sad stuff. Uh, to wrap up. Um, do you think about your future? Like, and not just necessarily about like your future with the Mercury Tribune or with Metroland, but I mean, like your future in general, future in journalism. Do you think about that? I'd be lying if I said I didn't. Um, <laughs> you know, like. Nobody gets into journalism for the money. And with how the industry has been, um, for most of the time that I've been in it, it's sort of been sitting in the back of your mind of like, this may not last forever. Mm. The announcement on September 15th was the first time where it really sunk in of, I'm on borrowed time. Mm. Um, I like, I love this profession i love what i do but it has absolutely crossed my mind of like do like i'm like starting to prepare for my you know my post journalism life Mm. um there was a time in my life where i didn't think i could be i would be doing anything else this is a job that i have like this is the career that i've wanted to do since i was 12 years old i this is what i've always wanted to be and uh i guess the yeah september 15th that was a where it really cemented it that realization really came in of may need to find something else one day mm. um and i don't know when that day is going to come and whether it's going to be my decision or not mm. mm-hmm. which i think is the uh it's like sort of that that sort of damocles that i have here where it's like when's it gonna fall yeah. Any regrets? Never. No. Hmm. Um. I well, regrets about. I, okay, fine. I have regret. <laughs> I like. Yeah, sure. There's stuff that I wish I had done better. Let's. I don't want to come across like an egon egomaniac <laughs> here. Of course, there's stuff that I regret. But as far as in general, 
no i'm i'm happy with the career that i went into as tumultuous and emotionally heartbreaking as it can be at times but i still love this job um and i hope to keep doing it for a long while yet but we'll just we'll have to see you know see where the road takes us last question whether it be by bus or by car thank you for that (laughs) last question uh you're going down with the ship you're going to let it uh you know that the ship will disappear below the water and you'll swim out to the life raft and you know go on to the next thing well at the very least i'm going to be the last man on the ship come january 1st Mm. um where the ship goes from there i don't know we're in uh unfamiliar waters well, that's the, the metaphor really lined up perfectly there. So I'll uh, cut it off. But Graham McNaughton, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for all that you do, because uh, I, I think we all kind of ride our coattails, our, each other's coattails here, and we all kind of help each other out, though we are technically competitors. But um, I think I think there's real community amongst uh, the, the journos here. And uh, it's it's sad to see. I mean, we're losing joy. And which is sad too, but you know, just to sit here on sort of the precipice of another dead outlet is uh, is disheartening too. So I'm glad we were able to do this at least. Thank you, Graham. Yeah, thank you. And you know what? There's one thing that I should have raised um, through all this. Like, yes, we need to remember. You know, we're losing joy. Um, we're losing, um, you know, some good editors. Uh, Ned and Rain. Ned has been with the company for for about 25 years. Like, if you wow. want to talk about institutional knowledge yeah going away losing ned is going to it's gonna hit hard and the other person who can't be forgotten all this is um jessica lovell who yeah took a uh a bio package um before the 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 layoffs were announced and when the layoffs came her payments from the voluntary bio package were immediately cut off wow and you have someone who, again, she had been around for so long and had that knowledge and made the decision of it's time for me to move on. Mm. And even then, the company found a way to cut it out from under her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm still around. I'm still going to be uh, bugging the hell out of people. But I think the people we need to really keep in mind the people that are hit by this um that have lost their jobs or have uh you know just had everything cut out from under them and just like the absolute unfairness of all of this yeah that's completely fair so yeah we'll leave it there make that the last word thanks graham thank you for having me adam and once again that was graham mcnaughton you can read his work at the guelph mercury tribune at guelphmercury.com you can also follow him on social media at img mcnaughton on Twitter, Mastodon, Blue Sky, and Threads, and you can send him a tip or message at G McNaughton, M C N A U G H T O N, at GuelphMercuryTribune.com. And on this occasion of the 400th episode of the Guelph Politicast, let me just say to everyone, thank you for listening. I am always amazed and humbled when somebody tells me that they listen to the show at work or while they're commuting, and that's the kind of feedback that keeps me going and 
it keeps me hopeful and it will keep me going and hopeful as we head towards the 500th episode of this podcast, which could be in two years time, if not before, probably in two years, unless I start adding two shows a week. And uh, boy, well, that presents some extra effort for me. Never mind, two years time. Um, For now, that's it for this week's show. We hope you liked it. You can download the Guelph Politicast every Wednesday from Apple, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. And when you subscribe to the Guelph Politicast channel, you'll get an episode of Open Source's Guelph on Mondays and an episode of End Credits on Fridays. The music for the Guelph Politicast comes from KPM Classics and Sid Dale. You can follow Guelph Politico on social media at Guelph Politico on Twitter and at Politico Guelph on Facebook. You can follow me at Adam A. Donaldson on Twitter and Instagram, or send me an email at adamadonaldson at gmail.com. If you'd like to help financially support the work of Guelph Politico, you can get all that information at guelphpolitico.ca slash donate. And finally, for all the latest local political news, you can check out guelphpolitico.ca, where we will have a new episode of the Guelph Politicast for you next week, number 401. And until then, we will see you next time.